0: The Football Show on Off The Ball.
1: With Sky, all the football you love in one place. Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier Sports. This is News Talk. I'm prepared to end I can well, to country
2: Do it then. What about your start to the game? Oh, it wasn't bad, was it? <sighs> Why should it be an honest answer be a mistake? How can a modern day manager not have a mobile phone? Why should
1: he? Oh. So... Scotland are good. That's uh, some headline news. If you haven't seen it, they beat Spain 2 0. Robert Greeve of the Scottish Sun is going to join us and explain all. Scott McTominay with both goals, no less. Meanwhile, Dan McDonnell of the Irish Independent, who was alongside me at the Aviva Stadium on Monday evening, is now here in studio. Daniel, hello.
2: Joe, it's a pleasure to be close to you again.
1: Indeed if you want cutting edge pre-match analysis off the ball on Monday evening was the place to be believe it or not let me just play you a brief snippet here we go
2: Dan which French player Is going to score From 35 yards tonight <laughs> Oh god yeah um, I, like, I think the, 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 the French Mindset towards the sorry, game is very don't, don't discount our, Oh sorry are are you, the the analysis. Analysis. Oh, analysis okay. yes. Are you saying
1: this is uh, A pa- Greekish pa- Statistical anomaly Pavard yeah. Or it's happening too often what,
2: What's the highest ranked team We've conceded a goal against Like that Joe I don't think we're going to Have that problem Ah uh, listen Play this back to me You did hear Pavard In the middle of that To be clear oh, I, did, oh, I did give the answer
1: yeah, play this back to me. I don't think we'll have that kind of problem. You wouldn't even answer my question initially. I'm just disdain.
2: saying. I'm just saying. I'm Pavard. I'm gonna. I'm gonna sort of do the politician here. I'm gonna focus on the positive line in the press release. It's <laughs> like, I'm just gonna drive it home. It's like, I mean, who else would have picked Pavard, right? Everyone would have just you know pick your, pick your sort of marquee, uh, French names. I was like, this. No, it's gonna be Pavard. That's who it's gonna be. It's always a full back that yes. type of game
1: and your press conference or your press release would uh, exclude you saying I don't think that's going to be a problem play it back to me
2: yeah <laughs> that was slightly problematic mm. um, but you know I can I can get around it um, Massage around that. I didn't think it was going to be a problem I mean it was it was a different type of long range concession that it didn't it wasn't a slow 15 second build up or like you know tr- players tracking back and thinking oh you might have a crack here no no it was it was It was instant death, mm. um, but it did strike me straight away that this um one it was brilliant that I, that I did pick Pavard but two, I did say Pavard basically in the, in the event of it not being anyone at all yes. really yes um,
1: my phone did beep yeah, Dan McDonald appeared on my home screen a message from Dan. I wonder what he's texting about uh, so there we are. It was very unfortunate. I don't think uh, I agree with your point by the way it's not necessarily in keeping with the build up to the previous. Long-range goals, where there was a lack of urgency uh, on Ireland's part. However, it was just so uh, demoralising. And yeah. Cullen, of all players, who is I'd also pretty s- careful yeah. on the ball. In fairness to him,
2: I think I'd also said last week that um, you know Cullen not being there was an issue with some of these long-range shots. So him providing the assist for one mm. was a sort of a just not the, the way you you might have expected. That uh, to happen.
1: To be fair to Parvard, anticipation, sharpness, and strike to match. I mean, you're talking about high quality players everywhere in this French team. Give us the overview on Ireland. Then we've obviously talked with Vinnie Perth and Gavin Cooney yesterday. People might have heard the podcast. I would say, in broad terms, they were very positive with how Stephen Kenny set the team up. They were pretty positive in terms of the application. Uh, certainly, Vinny felt we could have done more in, uh, in terms of creating chances and been a bit more aggressive in our passing at times. But he did concede. France are very scary. It's easier said than done. On the whole, uh, yeah, perfectly acceptable first start was the general verdict.
2: Yeah, like, I mean, it's, it's hard to get away from just, for me personally anyway, like, um, it's hard to get away from a, a general sense of deflation because... That lingering sense of having been here before after the uh, the encouraging, if only, defeat. And, I, and clearly this is probably the best one of them because it's the best team Ireland have played by some distance. Um, uh, you know, having got to watch a lot of France at the World Cup. And the thing about France is as well, I know people would say, and I understand it. And I did hear your chat with the lads, and I think Gavin was uh, Gavin Cooney was saying he was quite impressed by France, and I I do get that. I think they're not a team even at the World Cup that blew people away. They're more sort of um, they're pretty clinical, you know. Like even some of those games in the World Cup against Poland, and like, it's not as if they're wearing you. Like I don't think in the World Cup, I could be wrong. Um, it was more it was more a sense of, of respect for France. Like even in the England game, yeah, you know. But they had their let offs in that game too. You know, Morocco caused them loads of problems, but it was more the sense of these are the killers. So the fact that they they came to Dublin and did that, it's not a sense to me that oh France were miles off their levels. I think it's more a case of that's what they do. And Ireland actually probably neutralised elements of what they do very well. So I think that's good. Um it's just for me there's that small bit of knowing that Like it when you have no points on the board, like it was bonus point territory if Ireland got anything. I really, you know, particularly with the Dutch situation, I was like, one point could be so important. You don't have that, you're back to Greece game being everything, which is where we were um, beforehand. But I suppose one thing I think about a lot of these heroic Irish defeats there's been a game three days later where the kills the buzz straight away. There's now like three months to to sort of deal with this and at least it means there'll be full focus on the next match whereas sometimes the games that have killed Ireland have been the secondary focus in a week and, and that's actually what's hurt them
1: Did you like how Kenny set up the team?
2: Yeah I I, I definitely could understand it I don't think I wasn't particularly surprised by it Um in the sense that I think the Ogbeni one was a natural one for this type of game. Um, the one question mark I still have, and it lingers, what would have happened if Odetta was there? Um, because it was very clear um, that Odetta was going to play from the comments. I could be wrong, but it seemed pretty clear to me that he would. Um, and would that have impacted? Would Would that have had a domino effect on other situations? I mean, it looks to me like... I would imagine that Seamus Coleman was tasked for that job given how diligently he carried it out but we don't know for sure would Matt Doherty just have been dropped possibly that's the case did that take away a degree of pace on that side of the pitch that you would have wanted and it sort of tallies like Kenny last week after the Latvia game before Odetta was injured was talking about how speed was going to be so important in this game and um, and like the Irish side say wouldn't have been packed with speedy players you know and like O'Dowda would have been one more I mean Ogbeni excelled because of that Knight uh, no, is quite quick Um, but you know would it have been would it have been as conservative in parts if O'Dowda had been there in terms of breaking out I'd, I'd imagine Coleman wouldn't have been going too far with Mbappe Um, but would they have been a little bit braver on the other side at times and Doherty did try to be Um, on one or two occasions but he's more of a build up player rather than an an outlet player you know what I mean that provides a a run so um, I think the subs were fine the subs have been a question mark under Kenny in recent games we've probably talked about them here I think the Ida change was a good one a lot of people are probably going not sure about this because Ferguson's coming off but Ida did stretch them a bit um, and one thing I've taken away from it is I think like, I, I might have thought that Ida and Ferguson would be head to head but actually they could be a partnership at, at some stage too um, so there was a lot of good to take away from it and um, it's it's just that sense now again of okay it's making that conversion to orchestrating a as game plan that effective for a game hard need to win which has been the issue so far they've been very good at creating game plans for games where, where people are going in going just what happens if they get hammered here it's never happened like that has not happened at all like not losing by more than one goal um but becoming the sort of the clinical killers like France are. That are going to do a job in the group. I don't think anything you've you've seen on Monday answers that question. For you to be going, well, that's that corner turn. That's the big question mark that's still there.
1: So your logic on uh, Ferguson, Eda partnership is you got the hold to play of Ferguson, and he'll be better for having experience Monday night, and Ida, with that running thread in behind, which was so visible even on Monday night. There's a balance there which works.
2: I'm not saying it's the most natural partnership. You would say, like, the Ferguson Obafemi one might have the most potential in a game where you would maybe think Ireland have more of the ball and the strikers be a bit closer together. And in terms of, like, maybe their technical skills and how they could complement each other. um, But maybe for a particular, I suppose, a grade down from that type of game you know you could you could see that being an option and like I think Kenny likes Ida generally and look, sometimes the football move whirls on very quickly from a player who comes along as a young player has a little bit of a dodgy patch and then they tend to be sort of written out of discussions like I mean Adam Ida what you know 18 months ago was exceptionally good in Farrow uh, against uh, a, a decent Portugal side and in the home game in Dublin as well Um and that January-February was playing very well for Norwich in the Premier League, scored a goal against Everton, looked like he was going to play the rest of the season and then, as has been the case with him, got a bad injury. You Tend to forget about him very quickly when he's only, what, 21-22? Um, and like, has attributes there that um, can make him a feature in, in, in certain games. And I think there is probably the, the, the one positive, the major positive you could you could argue out of the last, last year, Even if there's been low points within it, is that there probably does feel like there's a certain depth within the squad now. Like there's there's clearly a couple of players who got injured who would you know if they got injured before June you'd be like pretty stressed. But there are other areas of the team where you could probably go okay, he's gone but we have him. You know I I think. there's still, like, I mean, Josh Cullen ironically made the mistake to Illinois, he's probably still the hardest player to replace, you could argue. Um, but in, o- in other positions, there's there's good options and I think that's probably one of the encouraging things that you would take from it. Kenny did go on about this, about building a squad for the Euros. To be fair, I think he's done that. Um, but clearly, that squad now just needs to go on and and just just change the story of their arc, which is again, so near but yet so far.
1: What was Kenny saying in the press conference?
2: Yeah I think after actually he was, I think before and after the game um, I know I think sometimes with Kenny like after a game it feels like a lot of even some of the punditry veers into like analysing his press conference words. Like if the performance has been reasonably good then it veers into what did he say in his press conference? How does this relate to what he said in his press conference? Like maybe that's always the way. Maybe under trap and previous managers we all talked about what they said um, you know, Steve Staunton you know a win is a win like you know managers lines okay they, they always get thrown back at them um, but it does feel like with, with Kenny then that you know you know, things went reasonably well and then there's a sense of well he said beforehand they were going to have a go and this is almost like an issue you know um, whereas and we've been here loads like I've always made the point that Kenny is, has, is more pragmatic than sometimes his own utters what 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 have you uh what have you know. Like Dundalk in twenty sixteen in the Europa League never lost by more than one goal. There's actually huge parallels you know, some great performances but not wins, you know, in in some cases. So his teams are always competitive and you have to be pragmatic to be competitive. If you're not, you'd have a track record of getting opened up three or four regularly. So there is a pragmatism there. Um so I actually thought while there was one or two lines before the 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 game that were, were seized upon, I thought his general tone actually before and after was was pretty straight down the line. You know, it wasn't too bigger picture in a way, yes, there will be lines about yeah, this is you know, we have built a good team now, but not as bullish as we've seen previously, you know, coming in after the Qatar friendly and talking about winning the Nations League and that type of thing. It was a little bit more between the lines. Um he he did speak about um Evan Ferguson that would have been carried in the, the papers today, would have maybe offered the view that he felt actually Ferguson Medlife hard for himself by dropping deep a little bit too much um, and we certainly you know anyone who watched Ferguson on the pitch and I'm sure some people would have been just tracking him scouts you know and people having a look at him would have noticed that he spent a lot of time probably in between the uh, the 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 halfway line and, and the Irish penalty box or certainly you know the 35 yards from goal Kenny's point was that um, that they ideally want have wanted Ferguson higher up. Now, of course, that can be communicated, and like, there's, there's obviously, you know, clearly Ferguson felt he was needed back there, and and that was the nature of the game. Maybe you're just forced back that you feel like you need to be there. But that was one of the more uh, interesting observations about it because Ferguson's probably never played in a game like that before.
1: Well, I felt he was conscious of Camavinga, yeah, and quite rightly so.
2: Yeah, it's sitting it's on top of him, it's yeah.
1: understandable. Now, I agree with you. It's not the most complicated message to get onto him. If you want him a bit further up the pitch, either. So,
2: yeah, I mean, Kenny's point about the he did like last week. The most animated Kenny probably was this week was uh, talking about Brighton's system yeah. last week, and he got really into the Brighton system. He's never seen anything like this four-two-four, four, and sort of said that the job for Ferguson is to just sit to the left or the right of their number six, which I suppose in the French case was Camavinga. So there was an element of of yeah. you know habits. Uh, it's just when Ferguson does that for Brighton. Um, he's got uh, Matoma and March, two wingers bombing on either side of him, and 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 clearly not with Ireland. But I think yeah, Kenny in general knows, like he knows that that there's a big focus on Athens. There always was going to be a big focus on Athens. There's parallels with last year, where the first game, it was a bit different because it was four games in that big window, that sort of mad Nations League window, whereas this is probably built around one, and then the Gibraltar one as the as the afterthought. But the preparations weren't right last year. and I think instantly, uh, for Armenia, I think instantly he's jumped on to how do you get that right. But he was saying behind the scenes last week was the best week so far in his time. He didn't really elaborate on why that was. Um, but he did suggest that the week and how it had panned out had gone better than ever. Which just adds the extra frustration that they just didn't get that little cherry on top of of. of just getting that point that could be so important later down the line.
1: It was an incredibly organised performance. They were all exceptionally drilled. They all knew what they were about and what they were trying to do and they carried it out to the nth degree. Uh, You would definitely have liked to touch more aggression in the passing for sure and the left-hand side didn't offer anything and what was asked of Knight possibly didn't suit him, certainly not with Doherty behind him. They're minor-ish quibbles, I think, in the face of how good France just so obviously were. That more defensive shape made perfect sense against France so if Greece away has been talked about already as a defining game early on in this campaign what kind of shape does he go with in Athens
2: yeah well there's a couple of things about Athens I think there's been a big chat around and it's been pointed out in a few places like a big chat around the heat for that game but it does now appear the game's at 9.45pm local time so I think it will be considerably cooler than the daytime temperatures now it's still going to be warm but um, and again predicting weather a long way off is uh, is, is dangerous um. So, it, but it's not. That's so
1: when it's Athens in the summer. Well,
2: well, I, I get you. Yeah, and we can get Johnny Ward in about climate if you want uh, as well. Um, but I think like Yerevan last year was a five o'clock game. It was two o'clock Irish time. It was a TV thing. Um, this is like late at night local time. Well, I, well, it just means it's not going to be, I'm sure it's still going to be demanding, but it's not going to be that afternoon heat which, which killed them in the air van and exposed players who hadn't played in a long period of time. Um, but I would imagine that there will be elements of the game plan that could be similar enough in the sense of, um, I suppose, needing to conserve your energy and not run yourself into the ground needlessly. Like the, the, what you don't do it's the conditions are going to be warm enough i'm just saying it's not going to be like nothing they've ever experienced before um so there's an element of um managing your workloads and sort of knowing i suppose when to press and when not to press i think the other night they they obviously weren't they weren't chasing around the place like tearing around the place just to get caught up in the occasion but uh, yeah i think you you would imagine in that game though um you're not going to be Telling your wing backs, you know, you're not going to have a wing back sort of reluctant to cross the halfway line because of a of a superstar. And like in that system, like that Ireland play, and I think they'll retain that system for sure. Uh, for Greece, like the width comes from your wing backs, and if they're not actually providing a threat, then you end up becoming sort of quite one dimensional in the sense of being, you're being stuck through the middle and you're looking for people to pa- pick Hollywood passes to try and get things going. Um,
1: Do you, but, you think just Ferguson up top
2: in his own? No, I'm not, not, no, He could he could switch to the three-five-two. Oh, sorry, I thought you
1: said he'll keep the same shape.
2: No, sorry. Sorry, what I mean shape? No, you're right. I more mean so the, the back three, back four thing. You know, there is this debate of will they at any point pivot away from that? But I don't think they will for that oh. game. Um, you know, will it, against Gibraltar in one of these games, will they might try it? Who knows? They might, you know, Greece a home later in the year. Might you want something different? Who knows? But um, I think when I, thought, you know, I think within the system, see, they mix it up anyway. Like the thing is. It's no guarantee, for example, that someone like Benny, who was fantastic the other night, will play in Greece. I would say that now. Um and like he was exceptionally good the other night. Um Malumbi, also very good the other night. Um but is it possible that like they're the subject of dilemmas around starting place um for Greece? I would say Possibly so, because you might suddenly say, well, you want to get a small bone in there who's maybe a little bit more creative. So, who comes out? Okay, it could be Jason Knight, right? That's another option. Um, but Ogbeni, is it a case of, no, no, maybe, maybe, you know, it's, it's more about the, the Ferguson or for this particular game. And, and Ogbeni would lose out because he's not going to be a right wing back but he's not going to be one of your midfield three if you tweak things and like that's even Ogbeni and his quotes after were very good he did sort of say he almost alluded to it like this isn't to say I'm sure privately he's like well, it was brilliant of course I should be playing but he did acknowledge that it could be different things f- for different games whereas again like Ireland go to France in September there's no way Ogbeni wouldn't play in that one I'd imagine he could actually end up playing maybe in the Dutch games as well but Greece could be a, a slightly different one
1: yeah it's one of the great skills of management to try and gauge the opposition. France, it's a no-brainer. We can all gauge where France are perfectly. We need to be solid beyond belief. Greece, away. How do we pitch up against them exactly? How aggressive do we yeah. uh, approach it? That I mean, That is the skill and that's what Stephen Kenny will be doing in the intervening months. Uh, certainly, I would say, Darley Knight just doesn't really work if they're going with that formation.
2: Well, I think like Doherty played a lot of football when he was younger at left back at Wolves but like, he was very good in Portugal when at that stage would have been I think Jamie McGrath inside him actually um, and the nature of the game you know he, he can cut in and build play but I don't know like yeah I, I know what you're saying about it like I think Knight is a good player um, but he is one that he's sort of maybe like you saw me come off the bench in Luxembourg when the game was very being very congested and he really opened it up and was very effective and maybe if there's a game where you're looking for a little bit more control on the ball he is one that becomes he could have that Doherty Smallbone link on the other side that yeah, like like you had last year. and I can
1: do lots of things and he can also as he showed against Ukraine I remember like the, the, the greatest opening 15 minutes in that home game against Ukraine where he must have had two or three brilliant runs and yeah. beat players and started so well so he can take the ball and he can run at players if he's feeling good and I think he could pick a pass like I could have imagined for instance if it was O'Dowder behind Knight, I could have imagined Knight getting on the ball and a little flick here or a pass there for O'Dowder on the overlap. He did it once for Doherty. It was beautiful. Like It was a really difficult. It was a high tariff outside of the foot first time flick for Doherty and it worked. Um, but I never felt Knight had Doherty bombing by him for obvious reasons all that often. One, because of the opposition, but two, because yeah. I don't know... Do- Dar- I'm yeah, I'm not sure on Darty a lot of the time I, I feel like there's more in him um, but anyway regardless whatever's going on there I think Knight needs a bit of pace around him in that kind of an environment
2: yeah I, I'm, the other thing I suppose I would say I mean, again Ireland were chasing the game late on so it's a little bit not to analyse it too much but even that little change that Coleman went to the right of the tree and Nathan Collins went to the other side Um and it, like it wouldn't surprise me if there was any issues with anyone in the back three. That Coleman went into the right of the three very easily. Um, in fact, could he end up playing the right of the three in Greece regardless? And then you have the game three days later where maybe you mix yeah. things up. That it could be Coleman, Egan, and Collins potentially. Even though that'd be pretty harsh and Daroche, but it could be. Uh, and then you have Doughty on the right wing back, and then it is just O'Dowda. doubt it. Um, and and that is that is possibly a, a scenario. I I think it's. It's they are the little marginal ones you're talking about all things being equal if everyone's fit I don't think you're talking about a radical um, dramatic change in approach but the team again this has been the problem for Ireland the games where they probably have to impose themselves on it against a team that are of similar ish ability yeah lesser ability by the rankings Um, seem actually if you look at Greece's record in recent years it does seem to be not dissimilar to Ireland in that you can find positive evidence from some very good results against some good teams like draws with Spain but then they seem to have some very good in the Nations League last year but prior to that they will have some bad results on their CV against average enough teams um, and as we know like they will be seized upon as evidence you should be beating these and then from the flip side it's like well they drew with Spain yeah. you know th- this is a proper team um, but you know there are no Scotland Coleman's in a good place he is I, I, I was writing about that today uh, I, I thought Coleman I didn't think he was done in an Irish context but I certainly thought the idea of him being a starter all the time was probably gone and I'm not convinced he'll start every game for the remainder of this year but I certainly found myself coming out the other night going God yeah like got bought into that a little bit too soon because you step back from it But the, the only Irish Edfield players between now and the rest of the Premier League season who will definitely play probably shame as in every week you know the first choice for our clubs at the moment Um, would probably Coleman and Evan Ferguson Nathan Collins is not playing regularly for Wolves he's coming off the bench um, and he on form he should have been in the team the other day not just because of his presence or his experience or whatever on form on if you go off form and sometimes people can be too can be too much of a form judge with the Irish stuff you need a degree of continuity but I think there's, there's big arguments for Coleman being involved for the rest of the year because he's Kenny has said himself he's probably overcome the injury problems that inhibited him last year he feels like he played through the pain barrier a lot like he limped off in Yerevan last year when he probably played half injured and looked a shadow of himself and that maybe makes you think oh god maybe this is this is the end um, but I, I'm looking at this now going uh, like Coleman okay I mean I don't know how long he's going to go for but I don't think it's unfair to suggest like this is his last crack at a major tournament um, so he has that real sense of desperation that sense of want not that they all have it but he also has the experience of winning big international games that, that not a huge amount of that team do. Like, even some of the older players, um, like Doherty and, and Egan, really haven't had too many big wins yeah. in an Ireland shirt. What age is Coleman? Um, so, Coleman is 35 later this year. He's nineteen no, eighty. Okay. He no, he's 1988, I think. Yeah. yeah um,
1: he is. Yeah, he would be. Yeah. Like, you look at his body type, I would suspect he's lived a very professional lifestyle. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he's still hanging around for another campaign after this at all. Yeah, I wouldn't. you go 35, 36.
2: No, I wouldn't rule it out. I'm just saying that I, I guess I'm sure there has to be a part from when he sees all his contemporaries. Like when think of it, like Coleman in your 2016, like he's, he's actually a couple of years older than Robbie Brady, Hendrick, uh, Shane Duffy um, McLean is obviously still there but the other ones have been sort of phased out or are still around the squad mm. like even the likes of Conor Harran now gone from this squad like there has been a sort of a you know Darren Randolph Shane Long like there's just been this sort of uh, not necessarily just down with a knife on one day and that's it but it's been steady and Coleman is still going mm. and he's still there and he's a big presence I was struck by him vocally even the other night you know even off the pitch Ogbené at half time like I think Ogbené's performance I'd say it was influenced by Coleman behind him a bit too and like they were in big debrief walking off at half time and I think it just points to saying do you know what when it comes to these big games this year um, you want to have him there now if he's not playing for his club at all which has been the case at times in in recent camps well then you you probably can't just justify someone being there on the basis of their presence you know but I think like I said the form argument is there Like he did a good job in the game the other night that reminded you like you have players in that Ireland squad who have have never played in the Premier League and Seamus Coleman may not be the Seamus Coleman he was but he's still playing in the Premier League and like that that counts for a lot the nature of Ireland's group and the teams they have to play where you could easily be intimidated by some of them um, than someone who won't who's played whatever you know hundreds of top flight games yeah and is doing so at the moment I think I think he has to be there and I, I've probably changed my view a little bit on that I, do, I wasn't quite writing him out of it but I sort of thought no it's going to be Doherty. whereas now I think there, there's a real argument of you just have to find a way to yeah. accommodate Coleman
1: I'd have Coleman over Doherty at the moment for sure
2: yeah no I can see that
1: for sure uh, football show coverage brought to you by Skycatch the biggest live Premier League games every weekend on Sky Sports short ad break we're talking Scotland's winner over Spain next Stephen Cluxton is on the pitch, he is togged out for Dublin
2: Are you sure he's not a mascot Joe?
1: I am 100% sure he's not a mascot, Stephen Cluxton is part of the Dublin panel today I'm surprised there's anyone Joe Subscribe to the OTBGAA podcast feed, wherever you get your podcasts Football on Off The Ball With Sky, all the football you love in one place Across Sky Sports, BT Sport and Premier
0: Sports This is News Talk
1: Now you're with Mac Dan McDonald of the Irish Independent is here Scotland 2, Spain 0 was the story last night, have a listen
0: In steps Tierney,
2: does well, he'll be chased down by
0: Carvajal But he's got some engine on him, Kieran Tierney, he timed that perfectly
1: Uh, certainly was a special night Scott McTominay Boy, I, I think he's a good player I mean. But again ridiculed. Is,
2: you know, We ridiculed someone who plays For Manchester United I, I think we'd be quite happy With a Manchester United squad player
1: We sure would uh, Goals on 7 and 51 minutes Very happy to say Robert Grieve Of the Scottish Sun Is with us You've put your top back on You've calmed down You're, 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 you're All the rest You come back down to earth Robert or where are you?
0: Family on the ground, Joe. We're, uh, we're all very relaxed here in Scotland. No problem at all. It's yeah. a, a routine victory for Scotland that last night. Well we're all very calm.
1: On to the next calm. game. On to the next game, of course. I tell you, I spoke to of course,
0: Robert Of course.
2: Yeah, I spoke to Robert.
0: Dan knows uh, uh, my, <laughs> my feelings in Scotland. Always very calm when it comes to the Scottish national team. I, Keep I, on the ground. Dan. Is that right?
2: Ah, listen. Well, he, he, I spoke to Robert before the Ireland three Scotland nil. We don't talk
0: about that game, Dan. Come on, with Will that an agreement.
2: You predicted it. You were like, I'm, I'm not sure about this. And I'm kind of wondering how Scotland have gone from being that inconsistent team you couldn't trust to now being these, these, uh, this rootless uh, rolling around the pitch, wasting time, efficient winning machine that does a job on a, an understrength but still like good Spanish side.
0: Yeah, listen, still 10th in the world. I think uh, Rodri had a bit of explaining to do after the game and that was his out to say that Scotland were time wasted and described as a rubbish. Listen, Scotland deserve to win At Hamden last night, I don't think there's any doubt about it. Um, The team played really, really well. And you're right, there's been a transformation in the team since Steve Clark's come in. He's been in the job a few years now and he's slowly but surely getting these players playing in a a, a fashion that that makes us competitive in these games against the best teams. We played well against Denmark. Previously, we beat them at Hamden. We've gone on the road and won in places like Austria. And here we are last night beating Spain. You're right, they aren't the team they once were going through a bit of a transitional period with their new coach since the World Cup. We all know that. That's fair enough. But still, what an night it was for Scotland. What a performance. And it was fully deserved.
1: People uh, listening might think Robert is paraphrasing Rodri when he says, or oh, Rodri said it was a bit rubbish. They were his exact quotes. For me, it's a bit rubbish. Always time-wasting. They provoke you and they always fall. Cynical, uh, the Scots, Dan. I've always said it. There's just a nasty underbelly to those boys. A,
2: they know how to win. I mean, like this is the thing. Like uh, they haven't been in a tournament since what 1998 until until the Euros, mm. and now they've just getting the hang of the whole thing. I mean, listen, all in all seriousness, we obviously sorry played,
1: I, it was been very serious. Oh, though.
2: I know. Oh, sorry, sorry. We 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 played like Scotland twice last year, yeah. And I know, like, okay, there was that win in Dublin, and then you had that game in Hamden, which was like actually a good game. Mm. Like it was a good contest, but you are looking at Scotland going yeah look like they're just a little bit ahead of where Ireland are and you're thinking yeah i know like, it's obviously different when you're covering your own international team and i'd imagine like even steve clark i think has had a lot of criticism even even in the last 12 months at times you've sensed a little bit of a of a mixed vibe but you sort of do look at them and they're in it they're in a good place where presumably Robert even the taste of getting to one tournament I don't know, does that just remove some kind of weight from the shoulders of that group as well? Yeah. That there, There's just a more natural expectation now that's not just this this craving the end of this famine. It's something a little bit more different at this stage. Yeah,
0: abs- yeah absolutely. Listen, the, the wait for, for getting back to a major tournament was so long that that, it, that it has to take a weight off the shoulders when we get there. But the thing about that tournament, Dan, was that Scotland didn't perform. Barring the, the one game against England at Wembley, the team were terrific that night. We didn't win. But the team were terrific that night. But other than that, I think the, the players and certainly the manager I know came away from, from the Euros with a, a real tinge of disappointment at how the team performed because we were better than I think we showed. It was like the, the, the way the tournament, as you know, went with, with Hamden Park, it was kind of half empty, didn't suit, uh, didn't help us either. But I think coming out of that tournament, I think the players got a real a real kind of determination to get back to that level. Um, to get back to a major tournament again and make sure that it wasn't just a one-off after all those years of us trying to strive to get back to that level. So, listen, the thing about this this, this campaign so far, this group so far, is Scotland have got off to a good start. Obviously, that's, that's not usually what happens with Scotland. We're usually up against the, the kind of fighting against it from early on in a, a tournament, a campaign. Um, and here we are, back-to-back wins against Cyprus and Spain. And and the, the real mood of kind of positivity around the squad now getting into the games in the summer against Norway and Georgia. And
1: it must be said as well, Robert. Again, to draw the the, the natural comparison with Ireland's similar population uh, size, we would look at the Premier League and and be really scratching around the fringes. Obviously, very excited about Evan Ferguson's emergence, and Seamus Coleman is still hanging on, and there's Bazunu yeah. in goal, and then. It starts to dry up very, very quickly, and and at a glance, even at the Scottish Eleven last night, you're talking Kieran Tierney, you're talking Andy Robertson, you're talking McTominay, you're talking McGinn, you're talking Ryan Christie. That that is a very decent Premier League showing for a country of Scotland size.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Listen, these guys aren't playing every week. I think it's fair to say McTominay could probably be playing more football. Certainly, Kieran Tierney could be playing more football. But when you look at these guys and the clubs, the environments they're in. When they're lining up against a Spain, they're not overawed by that. These guys are, are, steep, are kind of facing these players week in and week out down in England. Or they're certainly even playing with them or training with some of them. So I think there's been a change of, of kind of mentality within the group that they feel as though they belong and they're quite comfortable in that environment. Rodri spoke before the game. He was the, player, the Spanish player who spoke before the game uh, um, on Monday night. And he was talking about Scott McTominay and having been up against Scott McTominay in the Manchester derbies. Now, Scott McTominay lined up in that game. He wasn't overawed about who he was facing. Uh, and that spreads throughout the team. We've got guys, you say, Kieran Tierney, uh, McTominay, um, other players. Callum McGregor's played Champions League football. So we're, we've got guys now who are, who are playing at the highest level and competing at the highest level and don't get overawed by it.
1: So, how is all this going to blow up horribly in your face then? What's going to go wrong? Yeah,
0: we're going to, we're going to fail. We're going to fail in Georgia, obviously. Georgia? Mm, yeah, yeah, it has to be no, Georgia. Listen, well, we're joking about it, but the fact that Norway didn't win yesterday either was another great... I mean, even before Scotland kicked off last night, we had that boost that Norway had failed to win in Georgia. That, that was always going to be a tricky game for us. But the way it's shaping up now, you, know, you expect Spain are going to get their finger out, they're going to get their act together. But we're looking at Scotland it can win in Cyprus, which you'd expect them to win. Then if they can win our home games, we might not have to go to Norway and win. We might not have to go to Spain to win, or even Georgia for that matter. Getting these six points on the board after two games puts us in such a strong position Mm. that it takes the pressure off. And as I said, in previous European Championships uh, qualifiers, we've been behind it. We've been chasing our tails after the first couple of games because we don't usually go off to a good start. I think the Cyprus victory on Saturday was the first time we've won an opening game in a group since 2006. We we tend to go off to a slow start. So the players have got off to a positive start. They've got the, the victory against Cyprus, the victory against Spain. And suddenly, there's so much positivity. The team play Norway next in June in Oslo. It's a huge game. But they'll have no fear going over to Norway. Alright, they might have Erling Har- Harland Might be back for them. There may be a different opposi- uh, pro- proposition from what they've been um, in, in their game so far. But Scotland will go there with no fear. And you say that it might. Listen, we know we've not qualified. Steve Clark was at pains to point out last, last night that no team's ever qualified with six points. That's all we've got is six points just now. But um, there's a real feeling that this could be this could be a a, a real a real positive campaign for Scotland, um, given what given what we saw last night.
1: I'll bet, and it's it's not built on nothing. I know uh, last year it ended in disappointment with the defeat to Ukraine in the playoff. Yeah. However, it was it was quite striking looking in from afar. There was such a vibrancy about Hampden. There was an energy about the place. There was a feel-good factor. Everybody loves Ali McCoyst on co-commentary. You know, (laughs) uh, who knows why these things are important, but somehow they play into it. But there was just a sense of this is not a oh miserable Scotland scene anymore. There there is a vibrancy uh, to it. What, aside from good results, I guess, do you put that down to Clark? Do you put that down to uh, this generation of players? Got something about them (coughs) as people or what?
0: Joe, it's a mixture of both. Yeah. Clark's come in and he's, he's, he's not the most... Uh, he can be quite dure he, he says himself, he can be quite a doer character. So it, it doesn't come from that side of things, but he's a, he's a very, very shrewd manager, he's a very shrewd coach. The players like working with him. He gets the team set up um, in a way that they, if each player in the squad, not just the, the guys who start the game, but each player knows their job to, to the detail. Um, so that's a huge part of it but as, as we touched on before we've got guys playing at a good level now we've got guys who have amassed a decent amount of camps, uh, caps in the last few years we don't have we've got a, a mixture we've got a few inexperienced players Ryan Portes played uh, I think his third cap against uh, Spain last night he's yet to concede a goal in a Scotland jersey you know he came in he played against um, uh, uh, the, the Austria game I think it was he's yet to concede a goal he's gone down to Watford he's taken his career on a bit in the last few months so we've got younger players there, but as I say, we've got guys here who've been over the course and distance before for the last number of years. John McGinn's picked up a serious amount of caps. Andy Robertson's picking up a serious amount of caps. We've got Eusebi McTominay's getting into those kind of numbers. So that, that speed spreads right through the team, and that gives the Eusebi as well. These guys are playing in a tournament also, so there is no reason why they shouldn't be confident when they're playing against these bigger, uh, bigger teams.
1: Very good. We'll look. We're thrilled for you.
0: Yeah, Dan isn't. I know Dan isn't. I'm actually not unhappy. I'm no, not, I I'm, come uh, on, tell the truth. I'm, I
2: actually, I actually, am telling the truth now. Like I think, um, since the Scots, uh, I actually, bizarrely, I think the Scots, since they've qualified for a tournament, they've developed a little bit more humility. So uh, I actually don't feel. See, as wait, Dan, as
0: you're always going about this humility <laughs> because we talk our team up. I think you have to have a little bit more confidence your own team, maybe to that's all we are we just back your boys yeah, to, to get yeah, it's yeah.
2: not about humility yeah like you don't have a track record of getting carried away early in the campaign and booking flights to France in 2016 and stuff like that but no actually I think Scotland's major tournament weight was a real anomaly like it shouldn't like for a football mad country to be that long yeah. away from the top table is absurd really like it was I mean there was a sort of like from the outside you could sort of laugh at it sometimes because it seemed to be this tragic comedy all the time it's yeah. just what can go wrong but now they're in their sort of uh, their their winning phase I don't find it that you no, know and, and, and you know exciting, a, a, to be honest.
1: akin to ourselves in a way there were uh, probably an unlucky generation of Scotland fans who came of age just after 98 and went from uh Bright-eyed, bushy-tailed, and into middle age without getting to have their big fun experience away.
0: Yeah, listen, you're, you're joking us, aside, There's a generation of Scotland fans who just don't know what it was like to get to tournaments. I mean, when I was growing up, we got to tournaments every, every, almost every time. The World Cup, I think we got to five in the bounce in the eighties wow. and nineties. That that was, was on the norm.
1: Five in the bounce. That's some extraordinary. Going. Even yeah. England
2: didn't do that around that time.
1: Did they? No, they, they missed ninety four
2: and seventy four, seventy eight. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's incredible. Five in the bounce.
1: Well, wow, OK. Um, and uh, as a final thought, do the Scottish Union or the Scottish FA, excuse me. We can talk about Scottish rugby another time, uh, Robert, <laughs> and, and another bastion of humility. Uh, Did do, do the FA get uh, thumbs up credit? Have, uh, do they uh, take huge credit for bringing through this? Uh, let's not call it a golden generation, but very, very solid generation. Or or where are they in the in the eyes of observers and, and this success?
0: No, I don't think you can. I don't think you can give the FA too much credit for for what's going on. If I'm okay. being brutally honest with you, I think Steve Clark and the players deserve all the credit for what's happening with with the with the results at the minute. As I say, it's been a slow, steady progress. Clark came in; it wasn't overnight success. He's had to. He's had to kind of work at it. Um, but no, I, I put it entirely down to him, his staff, and the players uh, most of all, actually. Yeah,
2: okay, I think just, I think some of our underage results haven't been terrific. Okay. In the last while, so yeah, I've been put at that level, Dan. Yeah, put at that level. I think you know. So basically, what we're saying is, our underage results are okay. Five, six years time, yeah. we're coming through so, Scotland. so, so We're yeah. saying, Dan, this is enjoy what you have yeah. is a
1: one-off, uh, unsustainable, lucky golden ish generation, but the, we have yeah. we have foundations in
2: place. Oh it's coming. Yeah. yeah like, no, you know, I understand. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> They'll be covering us again. Yeah. <laughs> you can sense the jealousy here, Robert. <laughs> but um
0: Oh, I can hear it. Hear it in your voices. It's great. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh
1: thank you so much. Appreciate your time. See ya. All right, Robert Graves there of the uh, Scottish who you know. You you told us get on Robert, by the way. So. Yeah, no, no. People sensed a certain um, did, familiarity no. there.
2: We I, we have a bit of a, well it was, the, it was that it's still that twenty sixteen campaign, there was a lot of back and forth uh, around. Did he book his flights, and flights and for fresh Not quite, but I think all the a lot of the Scottish players basically mentally did when they drew in the Aviva that time in 2015 Yeah. so it was kind of funny there was a few Scottish lads not Robert were sent over for the Ireland Germany game Yeah. and we were watching Scotland collapse in Georgia but then Ireland beating Germany was not like we remember a Shane Long night in Scotland it was like how has this happened mm. how have they done this
1: Hamden has an atmosphere
2: uh, it was terrific for even the game in September the nation like a Nations League game but it felt like you know, it felt like it almost not quite at Monday nights level because it didn't have the nervous energy, but it had the the actual just the energy of of a big match feel, and just it's an old venue. Some would say the facilities aren't great, and they're not, but it probably, you know, it, there there's a certain sort of uh, even the walk up to the ground where it's located is it the bowl is shaped it's 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 it, no it's it's actually it's a bit of a train ride from um from the city center but it's just in a sort of a built up area and is obviously a, probably an established uh you know all the businesses around it, everyone goes to football stadium now the place probably is actually it's a little bit uh dilapidated or, or it's or it's probably past it's it's sell by date but it doesn't really matter because it has that even that bowl shaped atmosphere yeah. and it's just uh it's really a really good place to go, and as I said, like it is, like I've I've what I'm envious of Scotland sometimes is their football culture, in the sense of the culture of attending games that does exist. That even even though we're looking at the Premier League, uh, where the players are, you know, even how the game is covered there, and it's a proper industry, and I think mm. we can take a lot from Scotland um, in some ways. So it was weird, you know. When we don't have any of that here, mm. really. You don't have any proper an interesting point, yeah. that, that, that that Ireland were qualifying for tournaments and they weren't. But like they have the highest per capita attendances uh, in Europe. Now obviously Celtic and Rangers helps, but even like the, the clubs further down the SPL, um, you know, would have like you know, Hibbs, Hearts, you know, big clubs and I mean you know, Sliger Over's beat Motherwell last summer, like the European results aside the top clubs wouldn't be very good, but there's just a great genuine sort of passion for the game like it is proper like football country um. so that didn't get like when you think about it, you mentioned the generation of fans who even they got to the Covid tournament I know they had a little bit of a half life but actually for them to get to Germany you know would be what 26 years on from 98 they would be incredible there they're, qu- in, they're in a hell of a group by the way as well
1: yeah a question actually I should have asked Robert so I, I and maybe um Scottish viewers if you're on YouTube you can let us know because uh, it's been in effect 1998 since they're at a big tournament, I've no sense of what the Scottish fans are like. I mean, I'm, I'm tempted because there are Celtic brethren to say they've got that happy go lucky Irish quality. But then I don't know, is there a Celtic Rangers thing within the clashes or is it all a happy family? I don't know. I
2: don't want to speculate on that. I think it is one of those where. You know, like obviously a lot of Celtic fans would have an affiliation to Ireland in some cases, you know, um, and it's probably one where a lot of Scottish fans have other clubs as well, but not not quite like um, England where you people would say a lot of the national team fans are not fans of the big... Premier League clubs if you know what I mean uh, but I don't I'm not qualified enough to sort of to, to say but they are like they do have a reputation like like this is a thing they've had so many brave near misses in terms of playoffs and stuff there was that time where they, I think they beat Holland 1-0 in the first leg and got done 7-0 in the return or something yeah. and like the buzz around generated by their fans would have been uh, quite something and, I, and anyone I'm sure there's people listening or watching who were in Hamden last year and it was like a sense of yeah this is this is a good game and in fact there was that, that that sort of weird thing that after Ireland played Scotland we were all in the airport the next day flying to go to Poland to play Ukraine Um, but all the Scots were on their way to Yerevan to play Armenia and like the, the Irish and Scots fans were in the airport in fact they are on the same flights over and it was all good yeah, you know that, what I mean that would be my sense yeah it was all yeah. good it was all very like um, you know you, you did us 3-0 last night but um there was a sort of a shared sense of a, a, a bit of an affinity there but um, look we, we played them I mean the mad thing about it is their group is uh, a tough one I'd say it's probably the like we'd like to say our group is the best one but I would say probably they've got three really good teams they've got Spain they've got Scotland and they've got Norway and Haaland didn't play in the first two games the thing about it is without going into it in great detail um, strong chance that if Ireland do end up in a playoff they're likely to end up in the same bracket as whatever team doesn't emerge from that group. So it could be Ireland, Scotland, or Ireland, well, it would Norway. Be Stephen
1: Kenny's look just to get Spain.
2: Well no, so I would be less likely to be Spain. I'm I'm thinking Spain are going to qualify. But Scotland and Norway are quite no, close, of course. Oh of course it would be. Yeah, no no. Actually it's not yeah. Take it France. Yeah, and, and get Spain. Spain. But we could be seeing them again, I guess that's what I'm saying.
1: Okay. We gotta take a short break. Dan McDonald the Irish independent with us.
2: Football on Off The Ball. With Sky, proud partner and supporter of the Republic of Ireland Women's National Football Team. This
1: is
0: News Talk.